get from Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8, and I want you to, if you never have before, pay attention to what is going to be said this morning. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7 through 9, and then we're going to read verse 20. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. And the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. How do you say we are wise? And the law of the Lord is with us. Lo, certainly in vain may he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what wisdom is in them. Verse 20 says, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. You may be seated. There is an old saying many of us have said. It's time to wake up and smell the coffee. It's time to wake up. This day and time, if you will really be observant, is no joke. Today we don't know who we can trust. Parents are at the point where they can't trust their children. Children are at the point where they don't believe their parents. The community is in a position where they don't believe the police. And we are in a position, even in what we see, that we cannot even trust our own government. It used to be crime only happened at night. Not anymore. More crimes are being committed in broad daylight. The stronger and better the cameras get, the more crime you see. And you can't seem to catch them. As Christians, here are a few things we are told to do right off the bat. You look at Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also have loved us and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling Savior. Note, he gave himself for us. For us, this morning, we want to ask the question, where are you in Christ? Are we seeing the signs of the times of Christ's coming? Are we doing something about it? Or are we still saying, I got time? 
my Lord delayeth his coming. It is, it is important for us to know where we are in Christ. Some of the things we are told in the word is, don't let your flight be in the winter. When anger and frustration comes, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Romans tells us our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We need a natural location to get a spiritual direction. If you don't know where you are, you won't know how to get to where you need to go. Or deal with the things that come on you. The purpose, if you think of the purpose of a GPS, the purpose of a map, the purpose of a navigational system is to tell us where you are and how to get to your destination. They are so advanced today, they can even tell you where construction is and where the police are. The word of God and the Holy Spirit can tell us where Satan is and the destruction is at. They are our GPS. They are our map, our navigation system. They tell us where we are in Christ. And when we get in our flesh, they tell us where we are going and how to get there. The Spirit of God will lead and guide us into all truth. If we make a wrong turn, he will bring to our remembrance and show us in the word how to get back on course. But if you don't read a map, if you don't cut on your GPS, if you don't read the word, you will not know where you're going or where you're at. You can get in the car and just drive and have no idea where you at. Even though the sign tells you you're on I-75, you don't know whether you're going south, north, east, where you don't know. Without proper direction. Just like in a rest area. The spirit will show you you are here. Have you really listened to the Spirit of God lately? Has he told you where you are? Whether you're on the right direction? Whether you're not, you don't need to make this turn? You don't need to go down this street? How many understand that if you're told not to go down a particular street and you go down there anyway? Huh? If the sign says dead end, what does that mean? The church is our resting area. As we rest in him, we are being shown by what we hear where we are at. Just like we know where we are physically, we must know where we are spiritually. We need to know this. Are we in Christ? Are we near Christ or are we out of Christ? 
Unless our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, we shall in no wise enter into the kingdom. Being near Christ and out of Christ is not being in Christ. Amen. You don't almost win. Amen. Huh? You don't almost make it. Either you do or you don't. Amen. We are not here to almost enter into the kingdom. We are here to enter in. Knowing where you are is the beginning of getting where you need to be. It's just the beginning. Let me, let me use a quick natural example here. From where I stand right now, right here, where I stand right now, it would take more for me to get to Hawaii than it would for me to get to Ohio. Anybody agree with that? From where I am right now. Uh, it would take more for me to go to Hawaii. It would take more money, more time, and more planning. I can get to Ohio in a car or a bus with very little gas and very little planning. But a car or a bus will not get me to Hawaii. A car can go from here to Ohio in an hour or less. But it would take a plane at least 10 hours or about five days to get to Hawaii. My point is this. To get to where you must be in the kingdom of God. It's going to take more than a hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. It's going to take more than I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. How many thought, parents included, when you graduated, you were done? How many actually thought that? Now, I'm going to take my ease and enjoy life. I've got my diploma. Somehow, you forgot whose roof you were under. You know who you, you are, but you don't know where you are going. I'm so-and-so. I know who I am, but where are you going? When you graduate, life, hear me, I'm 72 years old. I found this out. When you graduate, whether it's from high school, junior high, college, life is just starting. When you finish with all of these degrees, you have to find a place to stay. On your own. You can't stay with daddy and mama forever. Although many try. In order to have a place on your own, in order to keep an apartment, you must have a job. 
which means paying gas and electric, water, among other things, which means buying your own food, which means transportation to keep your job to buy your food and pay your bill and your apartment or your house, which means a car, which means car insurance, which means no extra spending money, which means no partying. That's just the beginning. Now, I'm going to give you an awakening. Most teenagers come back home at least once. Or seek help from their parents. Or both. In the kingdom, it does not mean get saved and be seated. You know, we, we read the scripture and I say, you may be seated. Being in a kingdom don't stop at you being seated after reading the scripture. It does not mean joy, peace, and quietness until Jesus comes. The song even told you, you're going through a bunch, you're going through some stuff. You're going to go through it, but don't give up. Entering into the kingdom will take pressing on your part. It's going to take pressing on your part. Some sacrificing. Some suffering. Some enduring. And with love, some patience. Wow. These things will show you where you are in Christ. Huh? Has anybody seen and doing any of these and find out? This is where I am in Christ. I got to get back on the map. I know some, sometimes you can look at your navigation system and, and that little arrow be pointing, and all of a sudden the arrow be gone off the road. Ain't no road around. You got to find out how to get back on track. These things will show you where you are in Christ. So let's look at, at a few of these. Sacrifice. Boy, Pastor, you, you, you hit sacrifice just like you hit long-suffering. Sacrifice. It means to offer or forfeit something highly valued for the sake of one's considered to have greater value. How many consider yourself of value? Be honest. I'm, oh boy, I got up and looked in the mirror and I said, Self, you sure look good. And Self said, I know you're right. Anybody ever thought that way? Y'all know I, come on. Be honest with me. A man thinks of himself as being highly valued. Especially if he has an education. Especially if he has a position or money. Talk to me. What you want? Huh? I got it. 
Can't tell me nothing. I'm a value. But who do you think has greater value than man? Oh, I didn't think it'd get that quiet in here. I thought somebody knew it was Jesus. Just in case it slipped your mind, Paul said this in Romans 12 and 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? Your body. How? A living, not a dead one. God don't want nothing dead. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's the least you can do. Jesus is of greater value, yet he sacrificed his life for us. The only reason we are of any value is because of him. So if Jesus sacrificed his life for us, we should be willing to sacrifice our life for him. But in order to do so, it will take some, some, some pressing on our part. In other words, it's going to take some demanding and immediate attention of our flesh. This means doing things you did not intend to do. Wow. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Be, be, be honest. How many of y'all really intending to come to church this morning? How many of y'all really intended to receive something that you didn't want to hear this morning? How many of you are willing to do what you hear that you didn't intend to hear? Fewer hands was going up. Self does not want to sacrifice anything. Self does not want to suffer for anyone. Self does not want to be patient at any time. Anybody find that out about yourself? Who takes great joy when you can't have your way? When you can't have your way, you make that happy face a face that's frowning. Whether you want to show it on the outside or not, somewhere inside, your happy face done fell apart. I'm using that example. You make a phone call, and they put you on hold. You respond, glory to God, hallelujah, I'm on hold. Or you order a gift for next week from Amazon. But you get a text. It won't be here for another month. Hallelujah. I ain't going to get it until next month. But I need it tomorrow. When you experience these things, the last thing that comes out of your mouth is hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. 
Your happy face became a frown. Upset because self is not going to get what self wants. Now, let's, let's go back and take a look at Jeremiah again. That's where we started. In verse 7. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. That's Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 8, verse 7. And the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people knoweth not the judgment of the Lord. Jeremiah is saying the people are more ignorant of God's judgment than the birds of their appointed time. That's saying something. Animals are aware of the signs of what is going on. And they observe the time of a coming storm. When there is a storm coming as opposed to the sun shining, all of a sudden you don't see no birds. I know where we at, we don't even see the chipmunks. They're done gone underground somewhere. And we got things to do. We're in the car, a tornado coming, and somebody got to go to Kroger. Right. <laughs> I, I got to go to work. I, I, got, I got to go buy some bread. I ain't got no bread in the house. But the tornado is squirreling around. And you knew three days ago that it was coming. What does that say? Animals have most sense. But the conclusion and the decision of God that is coming, we have been warned, we have been exhorted, we have been taught. But we are ignorant to what God is telling us. In his word, his spirit, the signs show us what's coming. Show us what's happening. But we pay it no mind. Jeremiah said, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. He said this in Jeremiah 5, 5. I will go to the great men and have a talk with them, for they have knowledge of the way of the Lord. God has spoken to us and he said, I will give you pastors according to my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He told us that. But just as a man has turned from the way of the Lord, then he has turned from the truth and the spirit of God now. Look at verse 8. How do you say we are wise? Where is our wisdom when we see the very files of the air are not as stupid as we are. Amen. And the law of the Lord is with us. Just as the law of the Lord was with them, the word of God is with us today. Lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. A scribe then was a teacher. One who was very versed in the scriptures. Today, God has given us apostles, prophets, pastors, 
teachers, and evangelists. In Ephesians, it says they were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And they are here until we come into the knowledge of the Son of God, until a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But somehow, man still acts less knowledgeable than the birds. In fact, Jesus also said, shall he find faith when the Son of Man returns? Now look at verse 9. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is in them? Saints, politicians are becoming more disappointed in every task they undertake. Their worst success is evident and proof that the fear of the Lord and his word is the truest wisdom. They trust to their protection of lies. But when God brings judgment, the wise among them will continue to be confounded among themselves, not knowing what to do. In Jeremiah, the wise men were the scribes. Now look at what Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Not only did he speak with words plain to understand, but he also demonstrated the power so we could plainly see too. Verse 5 says, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We should not put our confidence in man. Man's wisdom is foolish and it fails. God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And God has made unto us Christ Jesus as our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. They who seem wise they being the scribes, may be ashamed of their ignorance for all wisdom consists in God's word. Now, look at Jeremiah 8, verse 20. The harvest is past and the summer is ended and we are not saved. It is time for us to figure out where we are. Amen. It's time to figure this out before Christ returns. The harvest is when the crop is ripened. Jesus, Jesus said the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Just like it is hard to find people who are willing to work in the workforce today. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Now there's plenty of jobs, but don't nobody want to go. Everybody wants to work from home. 
Employers are beginning to demand that you come back in. But just as difficult as it is to find people that are willing to work in the workforce, it is difficult to find laborers for the gospel today. Amen. One writer says the year is gone and we are still frustrated in our expectations. Back then, people were wandering and looking for comfort. Today, people are still wandering and looking for comfort. But it's still in the wrong places. God has exhorted us. He has warned us. He has taught us and reminded us. And we yet, he is still reminding us. <coughs> Romans 13, verse 11. Paul says, and then knowing the time, do you know what time it is? Don't nobody say 11.05. <laughs> do you know what time it is? That now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Let me give you some depth. Knowing the time means our time to work is passing. High time means the time is fully here to work. Time is passing, but it's high time that we work so it don't pass us by. Amen. Sleeping is a state of blindness, inactivity, and danger. When we are asleep, we have no idea what's going on. If you was to fall asleep, could you tell me how many fingers I got up? If a house is on fire and you sleep, you ain't going to know it until you get burnt. And then you better hope the fire ain't real strong or you're just going to continue to burn awake. Floodwaters have crept into houses at night when they were asleep and they drowned it because they did not know. One of the quietest sleeping deaths there is is for water to take, overtake you and you be asleep. It come upon you and you don't know it. Saints, the world and its wickedness is coming upon us. Amen, amen. The time has come for us to wake out of sleep. Paul also tells us, let us not sleep as others do, but watch and be sober. Some of God's children are spiritually asleep, thinking they have time to do as they please. But this is not a time to procrastinate about life because we only have one life to live. Amen. Just one. What would you do if this was your last day to live? That's something really seriously to think about. You have no idea what's going to happen when you leave this building. All kinds of things could happen. But here's the beautiful part. You can know where you are in Christ. So whatever happens, you know where you're going. You didn't almost make it to heaven. Huh? 
Either you're going to make it or you're not. I've said it so many times. I don't want to go and, and, and he say, well done, as I'm going to be done someplace else. I want to know that I am well done in him, that I can have a resting place with him. Again, it says, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Therefore, let us not sleep. Let us watch and be sober. With that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours.